When man sinned in the garden, that sin Jehovah could not condone. The blood shed of animals could not forever sin atone. But the Son had compassion. He said, Father, I'll be your lamb. So once again, blood was shed as the soldiers nailed him. It's been three days since heaven watched their prince of glory die. His followers are in mourning, for in the tomb their Savior lies. But at the grave, something is happening. As this dreams, I've lost my hope. Angels rise in anticipation for the sun is coming home. Back to the Old Testament, going to two places, one of the Old and one of the New. Now we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and also in Hebrews chapter number 11. It's where we're going to be uh, tonight with the help of the Lord. By While you're turning, I would make mention, and I hadn't mentioned this lately, but Savannah wanted me to make sure everybody was aware. Uh, when you go out, the, of course, through the back, if you come from the bathroom, that wall that's facing you uh, right there next to the secretary's office, there is a, there's a big bulletin board there. And there's a member of the month, and there's a little bucket right there that you can put a list to whoever the member of the month is. Now, listen, don't be ugly to anybody, but if you've got a note of encouragement, 
uh, that you'd like to write down, then certainly do that whoever the member of the month is. And uh, so just be mindful of that. And also, on the far side over here next to the men's prayer room, there's a board over there that's got a lot of our thank you cards. So uh, you feel free to go back there and check that out. And uh, Sister Savannah does a good job with the member of the month and several things and things that are on the horizon. You can just look at that one bulletin board. It's hard to miss, but just, uh, just may, I just want to make mention of that. And, uh, but tonight, 1 Samuel chapter number 17, and uh, we'll be over there in Hebrews chapter number 11, I think. Um, at some point, if not, we'll hit it Wednesday night, but you just hang loose right there in Hebrews 11, and we may get there uh, tonight with the help of the Lord. If you found your place, though, to good stand with us in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God, you'll find this very familiar passage, and uh, Brother Danny told me when he came into church tonight, he said, man, don't ever tell anybody you're going to be preaching a long time, won't nobody show up, but listen, a lot of folks come back tonight, so you're here, and uh, you were given fair warning, but nonetheless, I uh, just want to give you what the Lord's laid on our heart for this hour. First Samuel Chapter number 17, of course, we'll read this, and I'll give you a little bit of context. Again, I won't take for granted everybody knows this, and I hope you won't get bored with it if I repeat myself somewhat. But notice here, 1 Samuel chapter number 17, and verse number 38, the Bible said, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, uh, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now let's pray. Father, as we bow God in your presence, Lord, again tonight, saying thank you for the good singing, Lord, we've already heard. Thank you, Lord, for the songs designed it. Hopefully it's prepared our heart for the preaching of your word. Now, God, I pray that you'd take your word tonight. Pray that it fall on good, fertile soil. I pray if there's one listing that's unsaved, never uh, made a profession of faith in Christ, I pray that tonight be that night uh, that they'd receive Christ as Savior. I pray for the child of God maybe struggling in some area. Somebody still may need some encouragement tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd do what's needed and necessary. Help this feeble preacher to decrease now that Jesus may be increased and lifted up. We're going to give you thanks in advance for what you do. Have the preeminence now, for we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And for his sake and all God's people see him. Amen. Thank you for standing tonight. You can be seated. Of course, this great uh, passage here out of 1 Samuel 17 that most of us would have, would have been mindful of uh, very early on in Sunday school. And if not Sunday school, certainly in vacation Bible school, uh, we've learned the story and we've heard about the story. Of, of David and of course with Goliath even the secular world uh, understands the, the the role of the underdog that was what David basically was portrayed as but as I've said numerous times uh, it wasn't that David didn't have a chance it was that Goliath didn't have a chance because David had to touch a God on his life now if you look and you go back and you study this we know that that, that Israel and Saul According to 1 Samuel chapter number 9 and verse number 2, we know that, that shoulders and above, he stood above everybody in Israel. So Saul was a big man, but all of Saul and all of Israel were walking by what they saw. They were looking at the visible, and they were petrified by fear. But David came along, and he was looking, Brother Harold, that what he couldn't see, he wasn't looking at the visible, he was looking at the invisible God that had helped him uh, kill that lion and that bear the 
preceding verses that we didn't read here in 1 Samuel 17 from about verse 34 to verse number 37. He, he addresses that unto Saul and lets him know that God was responsible. He was the one that guided him and he was able to overcome that lion and that bear on that day that were threatening the flock that he was keeping of his father Jesse. And as we look at this text and we think about uh, these things that we mentioned this morning, of course Saul came on the scene and, and, and David has, has come. He's come to the battlefield. And I've said it's worth hitting this again tonight. Anytime you take a step of faith, there will always, always, always be somebody there to criticize you, to discourage you, and to give you bad advice. And that's exactly what happened with David. David comes and and he's coming with cheese, and he's coming to, to, to bring it to his brothers, and his brothers accuse him of, of the naughtiness of his heart. That's what Eliab said unto him, and basically told him to get out of there. They were criticizing him. They were discouraging him. Then he comes before Saul, and at this particular time, David is Saul's armor bearer. Now, ain't that interesting? And the same armor that he was bearing, Saul said, hey, you need to go with this armor. Saul was afraid to go down there and face Goliath, but he was, he was willing to give advice as he went. But David, the Bible said, essayed to go. Saul put that armor on him. Again, it's my belief, my contention, that he was about the same size, evidently, of Saul for that armor to fit upon him. But he hadn't proved it. He put it off. And David said, you know what, I'm just going to go with what I know will work. And the preacher's dream outline is found in verse number 45. Again, homiletics, those, those, those words that start with the same letter, they all start with S. He said, I'm going to take a staff. He said, I'm going to take five smooth stones. He said, I'm going to take a shepherd's bag, a script, and also a sling. Those five tools is what God used to overcome this giant. You think about that. In a military, I mean, if he went to West Point, West Point would have said, Man, uh, you're going to commit suicide. If you go down there without armor, here's a man standing down in the Valley of Elah, almost 10 foot tall. You don't, have a, you don't stand a chance against him unless you've got a bow and arrow, unless you've got a spear, unless you've got a sword, unless you've got some kind of armor. But, you know, we read this morning out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. God turns what is ordinary into extraordinary. God turns what is just common into uncommon. God takes what is natural and makes it supernatural. And what makes the difference is a touch of God on your life. And that's what David went down there with. Now, we've been looking at the life of David for the last week or so. And, and, and that outline that I gave you last Sunday night, that shotgun outline, we think about the adolescent years of David, the adult years of David, and then the ancient or, or, the, or the golden years of David before he left planet Earth. And we've already looked at these adolescent years up to this point. We looked Wednesday night as he was watching as a shepherd. Again, a lot of commentaries believe in 1 Samuel 16 when, when Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse's sons. Samuel didn't know who it was at the time. And those seven brethren passed by. Some say that David was insignificant because he wasn't even called to the feast with Samuel the prophet coming to town. But I beg to differ, man. He, he was significant. And, and da David's father, Jesse, entrusted David on the hillside to take care 
care of the sheep because he knew, Jesse knew, that David had proven himself faithful to watch over the cares and the affairs of his sheep. So we see that unfolding. And as we look at this here in this text tonight, we think about he was watching as a shepherd, but now he's warring as a soldier. And all this is during his adolescent years, probably around 17, 18 years old, during the context of this when all this was going on. And we look this morning and for the sake of, of just, I wanted to preach on those stones. Felt like the Lord wanted us to preach on those stones. This morning, we think about the stones that he took. Those five smooth stones. The Bible said that he chose him. In other words, he picked him. Brother Kevin, he didn't go out and just happen to say, just pick some up. No, he reasoned about it. He thought about it. And he chose, picked five smooth stones. He put the armor off. Now listen, do remember this. Saul offered him something that was, appeared strong, that's armor. Offered him something shiny, which is that helmet of brass. Then offered him something sharp, which was a sword. And the world will do the same thing for you and I. They say, oh yeah, you need to fight this way, you need to fight that way. Well listen, you can't fight spiritual battles with physical entities. Spiritual warfare requires spiritual Weapons, But the world will offer us bad advice. It'll be there to try to criticize us. It'll be there to try to discourage us. But David is walking by faith. He's got God in the equation. And the situation is getting ready to change. It ain't changed much. For 40 days and 40 nights, he's calling out everybody in Israel. But ain't nobody got enough God on them to go down there to where the giant is. I'm glad there's a little shepherd boy by the name of David that came down there and got some God on him. And got some God in him. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick these five smooth stones that were prepared because they were smooth. They weren't rough. They weren't abrasive. They had been sitting in that brook, and that water had been smoothing off all the rough edges. That's what God had used, had prepared him for battle. And we need to pick and choose how we fight, and we ought to fight the right way. But those uh, stones certainly were pure. Again, they were, he didn't get them out of a mud hole. He didn't get them out of, the, out of the cow pasture when it was wet and tromp around all that stuff. No, he got them out of the book out of the brook and you and I ought to fight with purity and with holiness that's important and we see these stones that he used but not only did he use these stones but there's something else notice and and, and I've overlooked the staff I'll come back to that in just a moment but notice in your Bible in verse number 40 of first Samuel 17 and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones so we looked at that this morning now notice the next thing out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had. Now, there, here's another thing, too. You can look at, at, at commentaries, too. And a lot of folks believe that the shepherd's bag and the script were one and the same. I beg to differ. God mentioned two things here. He said there's a shepherd bag and there's a script. They were different. They certainly were. I believe the scripture lays that out. Well, what was his shepherd's bag? Keep in mind, David... He was summoned while he was out there tending the sheep. You can go to 1 Samuel 10, 22 when God called uh, Saul. Saul was hiding among the stuff, avoiding responsibility. But when God called David, David was out on the hillside tending the sheep of his father. And he wasn't avoiding responsibility. He was taking care of the responsibility of those sheep. And now here he is. We see him with a shepherd's bag. He would have had that as he cared 
for those sheep. What would that shepherd's bag contain? Well, a lot of historians have written a ton about shepherds and the shepherd's bag. A shepherd bag certainly would have some, some oil or what we would liken under first aid. Because those little sheep would walk around, Brother Harold. One might skin their leg up and, and they... Again, they don't have any defense mechanism whatsoever. The shepherd was there for protection and certainly to guide them and to lead them beside the still waters because they don't like that rough waters. He would make sure that they had a place where they could lie down, where they'd be lush grass, where they'd be able to eat. But occasionally they would step in a hole and, and maybe would injure their leg or, or cut themselves and, and they needed some help. And in that shepherd's bag, he would have some first aid or some oil where he could tend on the sheep. Remember, David is not a hireling. David's not a hireling. He is a shepherd. He cares for these sheep. When that lion and that bear came against him, if he was a hireling, he would have tucked tail and run. But he stayed and he faced that lion. And he faced that bear. Why? Because he loved his sheep. He knew his sheep. And when they got in trouble, when they got injured, he would reach in that shepherd's bag that would be carried on his shoulder. And he'd pull out that first aid and that oil. Also, his stories let us know that there was something that was called wadding that that, that shepherd would have. Now, the sheep would know the voice of the shepherd. But they say that the sheep would even notice the scent of the shepherd. They had something that was called wadding. It'd be almost like a softball that would be wadded up and there would be certain spices and, and certain scents that would simulate the smell of the shepherd. When the shepherd was sleeping out in on the hillside, the sheep would be around. They could always smell what their shepherd smelled like. His presence would be there with them. Some folks said that they went over there to the Holy Lands and, and as they went over, they, they had to cross over a road and they, they seen that the shepherd was coming with the sheep and, and they sat back and said, man, I want to see how he's going to get across this busy road where cars are going left and right just as fast as can be. So what happened was they said the shepherd got out and he pulled, now this, this just a few years ago, they still use this today over there in that land. He pulled out that wadding, that, that fragrance ball that simulated the presence of the shepherd. He, he, he had that head you that the, or the ram and, and the most mature one. He would put that ball and would throw it across the road. And the shepherd would go out with staff in hand and he would stand in the middle of the road and there the cars would stop here and the cars would stop there and that lead lamb or, or ram would run across and then the whole flock would come across. Why? Because they were following the presence of the shepherd with that wadding. That would be in that shepherd's bag. Think about this. Sometimes, while he's out on the hillside, a new little new lamb would have been born. They couldn't walk. And they had to continue to move. Maybe had to get to that still water. Maybe had to get to that lush grass. That little old lamb couldn't walk, Brother Kevin. What do you do? He'd take that little shepherd's bag and he'd stuff that little ewe lamb right there in that bag. Who wasn't able to walk. And boy, would be right there close to his heart. And right there close to his face. And that shepherd could just whisper to that little lamb and would carry him along the way. David knew something about taking care of his sheep. You say, well, why in the world did he, did he take the, the shepherd? Why, why was it mentioned in the scripture that he took the shepherd's back? God thought it was important under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to relay that to you and I. This wasn't just an ordinary man that didn't know nothing about people, didn't know nothing about God. He had been learning a lesson in his adolescent years of how to take care of sheep. He had 
certainly rendered first aid. No doubt he had one of those waddings that, that, that they followed his presence. And certainly as we look at that, he probably carried some of those little old ewe lambs along the way. And they recognized the voice of David. And now he's going down and he's going to become, he already has been anointed in the house of David, in the house of Jesse in 1 Samuel 16. But he's going to be the shepherd over Israel. He sure is. Do remember this. If you go back to chapter number 16, the Bible said that the seven sons of Jesse passed before Samuel. And Samuel looked at Eliab and he said, man, surely this is the Lord's anointing. And God said, that's not him, I, for I have refused him. He said, my, I don't look as man sees. Man, man looks on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart. That's basically what God told Samuel. And then the eighth son, which was David in numerology, number eight, is the number of new beginnings. Saul was man's king, David, was a man after God's own heart. It was God's choice, and the new nation of Israel was getting ready to have a new beginning with a leader named David. He goes down, he's got five smooth stones, he's got a shepherd's bag, and the Bible said he had a script. Now notice what your Bible said there in verse number 40. I'll read it again. He took a staff in his hand, chose him five smooth stones. Again, those stones were picked, they were prepared, they were pure. He gets these, he's got to put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script. Now, what is a script? Well, we see that in the New Testament. If you remember, as Jesus sent out his disciples, listen to what the Word of God said. That word script basically has two meanings. It has to do with traveling. If you look up in the Strong's Concordance in the original, it has to do with gleaning. I'm going to mention a couple of things about that. But this shepherd's bag and script were two different things. You may open up a commentary and they'll say, well, that's one and the same. Well, listen, I believe they were two different things. God said there's a shepherd's bag and even in a script. Well, what was the script used in the New Testament? Luke chapter 9, verse number 3, Jesus told his disciples this. Luke chapter 9, verse 3, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor script, neither bread, neither money, Neither have two coats apiece. That script would be used as they would travel. They would carry money in there. I sort of like it. I think about some of these, some of them little, I think later, I don't know if I'm wrong, you just forgive me. Those things are called, ain't they called wristlets? Those wristlets that ladies carry around on their wrists that they carry them, or those little purses, those things. That's basically what that is, those little small things to carry money as they were traveling. Jesus said, you don't need none of that. Basically what the Lord was saying, I'm going to take care of you along the way as long as you're in the will of God. And it has to do with traveling. But here in this context, it has to do with gleaning. Ancient historians during this day tells us this, that, that these the, the, and you look at Strong's and it says gleaning. What does it mean to glean? Again, those scripts were used to, to put money in and possessions, maybe valuables, maybe some kind of precious jewels or stones that they had. But what they would say before they went into battle, Sister Janet, they say that they would empty those things out in a, in a, in a sim, with symbolism of, of basically confidence that as they faced their foe, they were going to take what their enemy had. What's that mean? Well, David, when he faced Goliath, he certainly Goliath had some possessions on him. We see about his sword that was taken, probably other things. David had that script in his hand and know that he probably emptied that thing out and he was going. I don't believe there's any doubt in his mind. I believe as he looked back, and I'll, I'll tell you why I think he looked back here in just a minute. He looked back over his life and he wasn't about 17 or 18 years old, but he remembered that line and he remembered that bear and God was faithful over there. And I don't believe that. I believe there was zero, zero negativity 
as he faced that giant. All of Saul, all of Israel, they're looking at the visible. They say, we can't. David was looking at the invisible God. He said, oh, yes, I can. Because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Philippians 4, 13 still said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Thank God for the encouragement of God's word. And there he goes with that script, that shepherd's bag. He's got the stones and he's got a sling. Now, this is not one of these slings like you pull back. I don't believe that at all. During biblical days, of course, archaeological digs, during that time frame, it was one of those that you slung. You let loose one of those, those, those ropes or that string, and man, that thing would be set like a missile. That's what David had. He had a sling in his hand. Now, here he's faced a 10-foot giant. Again, West Point would have said, man, that's a military mistake. But he was going with what he knew would work. They put the armor on. They put the helmet on. They put what was strong. They put what was shiny. They put what was sharp in his hand with that sword. But David is saying to go in other words. He said, I'm not going to take that stuff. But I'm going to tell you, I know this will work. I've been out there on the hillside. And man, I know what's in my shepherd's bag. I know what's in my script. I know what I can do with those five smooth stones. And I know what I can do with this sling. But you watch and you read the word of God. I encourage you to go on and finish reading the rest of the story. Time won't permit me tonight. But that giant did not fall until he slung it. Giants start to fall when we sling it. But you'll never slay the giant until you sling it. In other words, David did his part. God does his part. (laughs) Did you get that? If we'll do our part, God can still do the incredible. Amen. God can still do the impossible. He is still able to do that. But when we do our part, listen, I'm not worried about God's in. God's always going to do his part. But we don't always do our part. And sometimes we limit ourselves. We stay defeated. We stay discouraged. We stay over here and the giants continue uh, to beat up on us and the walls continue to come in. feels like we just got our head above water because we fail to sling it. But if we'll never slay it until we sling it. So he's got four things. And I'm going to tell you the most important, what I believe was the most important thing he had, Brother Harold. Was the smooth stones important? You better believe they were. They were picked. They were prepared. They'd been running over that water for a long period of time. And, and God placed them there for that specific task. They were pure. He didn't get them out of a mud hole. He got them out of the brook. Those smooth stones were important. Was that shepherd's bag important? Sure it was. It contained some, all those things that he had as he was on the hillside working with those sheep. Probably had that first aid. Probably had that oil. Probably had that wadding. Probably had a, a place where he could put those little lambs that were born along the way. And probably there had been a lot of those little lambs there in his side. There might have even been one when he faced that lion, when he faced that bear. He had that strip. There he had along the way that he's emptied out because he's going down and nobody else got enough faith. Nobody else got enough God on them. Nobody else got enough confidence in the God of heaven to go down and face the giant. But David did. He wasn't looking at the visible. He was looking at the invisible as he marches down there. And he took that sling and he slung it. But I believe what gave him that confidence was the first thing that was mentioned in your Bible in verse number 40. Notice what the Bible said. And he took his staff... In his hand. Now, there's a message on the staff itself. You think about the staff. I believe this was the most important thing in David's possession. You say, well, now, why would you say that? Well, not just because it was mentioned first. But I want you to go over with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. I want you to see this now. Hebrews chapter number 11 is where we're going to look for just a second. I want you to get this. I want it to bless you. I want it to help you. 
along the way. In Hebrews chapter number 11, when we think about the staff, of course we think about Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, the scripture tells us. But the staff would be used for defense and bringing sheep back into the fold. David being a shepherd, he had certainly had this staff for a pretty good while. And uh, no doubt his name would be on it. During those days, the shepherds would, would carve their name on their specific staff or the whatever they had. Everyone would do that. And there'd be certain uh, life-changing events maybe that would come along that were important to those shepherds that they would put a mark or they'd put a symbol to remind them of. And uh, I want you to think about Hebrews chapter number 11. Notice with me, and this is what we liken unto the hall of faith. A lot of folks have got into the hall of faith here and, and, and all through Hebrews 11. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. They subdued kingdoms and, and done all this stuff. The hand of God was on their life. But the Bible says something interesting, not about David, but about Jacob. But I think this is important. Hebrews 11 and verse 21. By faith, and if you want the context of this, Again, the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. You can go to Genesis 48. You read, the, uh, I believe it's 22 verses, 1 through 22. It talks about this account, what he mentions here in Hebrews 11 and verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, watch this, leaning upon the top of his staff. Now those two sons of Joseph were Ephraim, and Manasseh. You go back to Genesis 48, that's the account of what's going on. But the Bible said as, as Jacob is dying, he's leaning, the Bible said in, in Hebrews eleven twenty one, he's worshiping and he's leaning upon the top, not the bottom, but on the top of his staff. Why is that important? Well, as I said just a moment ago, and of course, historians, leaders of, of the day, Tell us, and we've got evidence of that, where shepherds would put their name on that staff. Certain events in their life would be marked there. Here's Jacob getting ready to leave and depart from planet earth. And here he is, he's facing the two sons of, of Joseph. And he begins to bless them, Ephraim and Manasseh. And he's leaning on the top, on the top of his staff. He sees his name, Brother Danny. He sees probably... That time when he got the birthright from his brother Esau. What about those 14 years that, that he labeled, that he labored for Rachel uh, from Laban? 14 years he probably had a notch, man, when that servitude was over. Amen. He wanted her pretty bad, I'll say that. See his 12 sons born. Probably had a notch on that staff for every time one of them was born. What about that wrestling match over there at Bethel where he seen the angels ascending and descending on that ladder? That was probably a place that he had notched on that staff. What about when his favorite son, Joseph, which had the coat of many colors that proved his love under Joseph, when he was presumed dead and lied on by his own brothers, sold into slavery, going down into Egypt, he probably put a mark down there, probably a mark that he didn't want to remember, but he put it down as a time in his life when he was brokenhearted. But then think about the happy day many years later where he had to go into a far country 
What a great reunion that was. He had to go into another country, Brother Harold, to reunite with his son. Somebody had been lost for a long time. You know, that reminds me that one of these days we got all got loved ones saved by the grace of God on the other side. And the only way we're going to see them is to go to a far country. But I believe when he found out all that Joseph was alive and well down in Egypt, don't you tell me that he didn't put a notch on that staff. Now here he is, Hebrews 11. Verse 21, the commentary on Genesis 48, 22 verses there. He's leaning on the top of his staff. And he's looking and he sees his name. He reflects back on all those things, the birthright. Those 14 years for Rachel that he, that he labored for Laban. All those things that have happened, the birth of his 12 sons, the wrestling match with God there at, at Bethel, his favorite son presumed it. Then he finally gets him back. There he's leaning on the top of his staff. That serves as a visual reminder of all that God had done down through his life. You with me? Amen. Served as a reminder. He's getting ready to depart, but he's looking on that staff and he sees all that God has done. Now let's go back to David. David takes this staff, five smooth stones, shepherd's bag of script, and a sling in his hand. First thing he says that was mentioned was that staff. Remember, he's going down he, he, by faith. He, he's seeing the invisible. He knows God's going to help him. Well, how does he know that? Because he's got a staff. It's got his name on it. Now, he ain't about 17 or 18 years old, but I can imagine at this particular time, according to the Scripture, at this particular time, Brother Harold, he's already been anointed by Samuel in Jesse's house. Yes, sir. Go to chapter 16. He's anointed. I bet he had a mark right there. We don't know exactly when that lion and that bear came into his father's sheepfold, but we know when that lion and that bear, by, by the hand of God, when, when David took it by the beard, not by the tail, but by the face, man, showing no fear, God protected him. No doubt there's probably a mark that went on there. So he's anointed. There's probably a mark there. Also, you go back to chapter 16, about verse number 22. The Bible said that David became Saul's armor bearer. So he's bearing the armor that in chapter 17 Saul was putting on him. But it was certainly a, a place of, of prestige. And David probably put a mark on his staff. Now keep in mind... He's up there. He's got faith. He's going down to slay Goliath. He's going to step out by faith. And the first one that comes up is from his household in life. He comes to discourage him and to criticize him. Man, you can't do this. Saul even said, you ain't nothing but a youth. <laughs> Some might say you're too young to serve God. I, I disagree with that. Yeah, man. Some say, well, I'm too old to serve God. I don't believe that at all. If God was done with all of us, we'd be out of here. Yeah, man. God's still got a purpose for us right here. We had already be gone. But David goes down. He faces criticism. He faces discouragement. faces bad advice. Saul wouldn't lift a finger to go down there and face the giant. But he said, this is what you need to do. You need to put this on. But he said to go. He wouldn't go. But he picked up that staff that had his name on him. He was reminded, man, I was anointed in Jesse's house. I was, I was anointed in my father's house by Samuel the prophet. Man, when that lion and that bear came, Lord, you delivered me right there. Lord, you, you've elevated me, and I've tried my best to be faithful, and you've elevated me. Now I, I'm the king of Israel's 
armor bearer. That notch is right there for And he goes back and he looks back and he said, man, look at what God's done. And then he sees that, that little giant down there in the valley of Eden that everybody's afraid of. He goes down. I believe that was the most important thing because he didn't go down there to lose a battle. He went down there to win a battle. He was facing something that might appear to have been bigger than him, but he wasn't walking by, by sight. He was walking by faith. When you add God into the equation, it'll always, always, always change the end result. And David went down, and we know the end of the story. He slung that stone. And there it sunk deep into Goliath's head. And he didn't fall backwards. Again, God changed the law of motion. He sure did. When that thing hit him, it should have took him off his feet. But I still, again, it's Brian's theology. You take it as a grain of salt. I believe God put his head, his hand right on his head and shoved him straight down in the ground. He fell face forward. Amen. Read it. That's what it said. And David run and cut his head off. He faced that giant. God used something that was natural. Made it supernatural. God took something that was common. Made it uncommon. God took something that was ordinary. And made it extraordinary. Now God still works like that today by the way. Sister Savannah's coming. Some of you may feel overwhelmed. You say man you know if I had this. If I was in this position or that position. Then, then I might be able to overcome some of this stuff. No listen God, God can use those common things. Those natural things. Those ordinary things. Think about that five. You remember the five. The, the, the two small fishes, five barley loaves. That wasn't much in that little boy's hands. But when that little boy gave it unto the Lord Jesus Christ, it got in his hands, then it became something. He fed over 5,000 men beside women and children. John 6 says 5,000 men. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 14, I believe it is, talks about 5,000 men beside women and children. Probably 14 or 15,000 people were fed on that day. And God allowed David. And again, at the end of the story, David didn't get the glory. It was God. David referred everything back to the Lord. Lord, you're the one that helped me with this line. You're the one that helped me with that barren. You know, and it's important, and I, I've, I hadn't done this here as recently as I should. It's important to keep up a prayer journal. There's things that I wish, Brother Kevin, I had wrote down that I knew that God had did. Now, a lot of them I remember now, but there's things I probably forgot about that you can write down. Because there's going to be times we live long enough, you're going to face something else, and you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get criticized, man. You're going to get bad advice, and all you got to do is go back and you say, well, you know what, just like David did with that, with that staff, you know, Lord, you were faithful right here, and, and you know, you brought me through this right here, and, and you know, I maybe come a year, maybe two, and then I was facing something else, and, and boy, God, you showed up right on time, just like you always do, and you helped me again. And then maybe two or three more years went by, and you faced a hardship, and you say, man, how in the world am I going to get out of here? And God showed up, just like he always does, because he never, never, never fails. You ought to write it down. Because if we live long enough, we may go into cognitive recline or decline. I may be doing that right now. Cognitive decline. You might not be able to remember some of those things, but write it down when God helped you and shows up. And boy, God helped David. And God can still help us today to slay those giants. But remember, you'll never slay those giants until you slay. You'll never slay it 
until you sling it. You do your part, God will do his part. I don't know what you face tonight. Yeah, maybe something financial. Maybe a relationship issue. You a spouse, children, uh, a brother. I have no idea. I don't know what you're facing, but I know this. God's big enough. God's big enough, but you can't walk by sight. you got to walk by faith. There's a lot of folks say, man, it ain't never going to get better. It ain't never going to change. It ain't never going to get solved. But listen, you got to believe God. Leave the results up to Him. You do your part. Let God do His. We stand all over the house. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, again for the opportunity. Lord, to share your word, Lord, I've done my best to expound the message of the hour. I pray God did fall on good fertile soil. I pray for that one that walked in here discouraged, that one that's overwhelmed. Have no idea what folks are dealing with tonight, but God, you do. Lord, I see as David was facing that giant. We face many giants in life as well. And Lord, he didn't have uh, what, what humans would say, well, this is what we need. He relied upon you, Lord, and relied upon your power. God, help us to understand Lord, we may be doing good right now, but somewhere down the road, we live long enough, we're going to face some giants. We're going to face some things. going to be bigger than we are. God, help us to reflect back. I believe as Jacob did and as David did, looking at that staff as a visual reminder of what you did for them. And God, you can do it again. Lord, would you put a hedge around our kids this week as they depart for Georgia? God, I pray that they wouldn't just come back just challenged. I pray that they'd come back changed. Lord, I pray for every one of us here tonight. God, would you use us? In a mighty way, help us to be more Christ-like every day that we live. God, we'll be careful to give you thanks, give you praise for what you do. If we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed tonight. you got a need, you can come. I don't know what you're facing, don't know what you're dealing with, but I know this, God will be faithful. Whatever giant that may be. Sister Savannah going to sing a little bit of that. We're going to the house in just a minute, but if you got a need, you better come on. Hello friends, this is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat-and-meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's Holy Word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation, they prepare for retirement, they seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, and good works, and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here. And may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.